morning. So I'm going to be reading to us today from the Word of God, from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10, and I'm reading from verse 17. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, the man went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Well, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Amen. May God's name be blessed through public reading of his word. So, Ethan, when I spoke to him, whether he wanted, he had a a favorite passage or some favorite Bible text that he wanted me to preach from, and he said, oh, the rich young ruler. And um, the um, story is a very popular story. And in the Bible, we've got four people who have recorded Jesus's life and ministry. And out of those four people, three talk about uh, this story of the rich young ruler. So Mark, the one that Ruth read from, says that he was a man with great wealth. Another writer, who is Luke, says he was a ruler and a man of great wealth. And then Matthew, another writer, adds that he was a young man. And putting all these three together, we get the popular traditional phrase that is designated to the story, the rich young ruler. And, and this makes the gospel story wonderful. So we've got this rich young man who is keen to meet with Jesus. He is keen to the point that the Bible, or Mark, who gives us a very clear description of what he does, is he's so keen that he goes and he kneels because he wants to talk to him. And he's got one question. What must I do to inherit the eternal life? Or what must I do 
to inherit this life of this eternal kingdom that you are talking about, Jesus. And Jesus is very, very gentle, but he's very straightforward with this young man. I love it how Mark picks up on the whole way, demeanor, that Jesus is dealing with this man. He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. This is powerful because this is how God looks at each and every one of us. This is how God is looking at you this morning. You may have questions. You may have doubts. You may have even antagonism against God. And still, God is looking at you and is loving you this morning. And it's, it's interesting how in his keenness, he is able to... to, to communicate and dialogue with Jesus. And Jesus doesn't hold back, although we know that he loves him. Jesus does not hold back. The, the Bible carries on saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not break false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. It's interesting how Jesus is quoting just a part of the Ten Commandments. And more interestingly, how Jesus is quoting to him the things that are visible from the Ten Commandments. It's the relational stuff that goes on that is it's obvious. Because he's leading to a deeper place with a question that is more interior, it's more inside, it's to do with the heart. Because the response of this young ruler is, well, I've ticked all the boxes. I've done them. And Jesus says, looking at him and loving him. You asked one thing, sorry, you, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have. Mark, do you want me to change the microphone? Sorry. So Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go and sell, sorry. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have a treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And Mark says, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Yes, 
There is something attractive about this guy who is eager and earnest in keeping the law. But you can see and I can see that there is a barrier. And actually, Jesus is inviting this young man to cross this barrier and to follow him. And it's that invitation to lose grip of what you hold so dear and to bring that to that place of actually knowing that following Jesus is very important, is the most important thing. And I think that's what I've witnessed speaking and walking with Ethan, especially in the last three months, of coming to that place of losing grip or what is important or what the world says to us is important or what the society puts, it, puts the pressure on us, what is important. And coming to that place of putting your trust, the whole trust, in Jesus. If rewards on earth, if the way that this society rewards us is based on standards such as rank, priority, race, duration of time served, personal merit, sacrifice, commitment, activism, big mouth, That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. When Jesus walked the face of this earth 2,000 years ago, he was talking about a kingdom that was upside down. Doesn't make sense. Bizarre. And yet, it's the best way to live our lives. Jesus is offering this young man this opportunity to embrace him and his kingdom, which is again bizarre, not what you do in the normal daily lives. But yet, it's the most liberating thing. Because as we sang in the beginning of the service, that when the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. I intentionally asked Ruth to read to verse 27 because from verses 27 and 31, we've got the reaction of the disciples. And the disciples are saying, but Lord, we've given everything to follow you. What about us? So which is the other side of the coin? And the way that Jesus is dealing is that actually the activism, the keeping of the commandments, or what you think that you have done sacrificially for him, does not count. What counts is that full trust and commitment of the heart. So the question that I've got for myself today, and the question that I've got for you, and it's a searching question, is what are some of the barriers or smugness that is interfering 
with you in order to commit to Christ. And then some of you might say, but why follow Christ in the end of the day? What, what's, what's so special about it? Well, probably the last five, ten years tell us how disappointed we are with the world leaders. How disappointed we are with politicians. How disappointed we are with any kind of uh, type of leadership because it's not working the way it should. And I say that one of the reasons why I follow Christ is because he is the best leader that ever lived. Because Jesus as a leader lived a life that matched his teaching to the point of being sacrificial. To the point of giving his life for you and me. To the point of being victorious after death and being resurrected to, to new life because of the love that he had for you and me. And it was in God's economy to send his son into the world so you and I can have this opportunity to follow him. So God wants us to follow his son. And Jesus himself, when he was teaching his disciples, he said that he should be followed. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever follows me. It's that invitation for us to follow him, to put our trust and commitment to him, to not be distracted or interfered by the barriers that we have set ourselves, given to us, or even from our smugness that we've been living and doing this thing and therefore we're in good books with God. How foolish. And yet, Jesus looks at each and every one of us and he loves us. And if we've got barriers or smugness, he says, you lack one thing. Give it up and follow me. So we've got that invitation today, folks. Maybe you're here for the first time and you've heard this for the first time. Don't waste your time. Maybe you've been following God for a long time and you've got those barriers set around you and they're your comfort blankets. And Jesus is saying today, give them up and follow me. So the invitation today is for us to trust Jesus and to commit ourselves to him. What are we going to be doing in response? Jesus is there for us. God wants us to follow. Jesus himself is going to enable us to follow him. What are we going to do? And as, as we come to the time of baptism, this is the response that Ethan has had to this invitation to follow Jesus. Put his trust and commitment and want to live the life for him. I think it's amazing. It's amazing. It's such a wonderful experience. And if you're thinking and contemplating about it, just please come and speak to me. But I just want to take this time 
for us before we move on with the service to pause a little bit and to respond to that invitation to put aside barriers and smugness and saying, Jesus, I trust you and I follow you. And then we'll carry on with the rest of the service. So, Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that with you, we lack nothing. And thank you that you invite us today to trust and commit ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you reveal us afresh the Lord Jesus today? So our trust and our commitment may be strengthened, may be restored, may be renewed, may be start anew. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.